Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are excited to have Sarah Boyd on our podcast today. She is going to be discussing Operation Truth, and she's going to be talking about some vaccine injuries that she personally has received um, when she was in the military. So, Sarah, without further ado, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. You know, there's a, a lot of stigma behind vaccine injury, especially right now. So I just want to say again, thank you for the opportunity to be able to come on this platform and share my story to bring awareness to our vaccine injured uh, uh, veteran community and uh, patient community at large. So your story is a little bit different. If you could go into it, it's it's not necessarily from the COVID vaccine. Is that correct? That's correct. So go ahead and share us your story. As a result um, of the COVID vaccine pandemic, though, I uh, was not able to get that vaccine or vaccination process due to being vaccine injured prior to that pandemic. So there was no other preventative measures for my demographic. Our, our, um, our, uh, excuse me, our government leaders placed uh, statutes that allowed for um, my entire demographic to be um, excluded from it, it, entire counties and cities. We weren't allowed to dine with other individuals because we couldn't get vaccinated. Um, as a result, a lot of people still in my family and um, support circle are no longer there because they trusted our government over um, their own um, their own family member who is going through this as a result of the vaccination process. So where my story began was back in 1997, as a 17-year-old in high school, I decided to join the military to gain funding for college. Back then, the Army was um, providing $40,000 for college fund if you did four years of active duty. So I joined the Army, and uh, two months after I graduated high school, I went to basic training in July of 1998. And within two months of the first inoculation series of my basic training, I had uh, already was experiencing, at the time we didn't know, but what um, later on was diagnosed as lymphedema. And I recall this because um, my fellow service members, as we were graduating basic training, I was wearing our, a skirt and our pumps, and my legs were huge. I had no ankle definition. And so when I, after I got completed training and I went to the doctor, they concluded, well, it must be tendinitis and, and inflammation from that. So um, they attempted to uh, minimize my physical training and did all kinds of different things through profiles. Well, throughout my military career, I spent 10 years on active duty. And as a result, I, uh, we, we weren't aware at the time that it was um, these vaccines that were causing my injury. As we are very much aware, chronic illness can be brought on from many different factors, whether it's genetics, whether it's toxic exposure, whether um, it's vaccinations or a number of different things. But what our government and our, our medical community aren't aware of is the vaccination process. And I have got very little information 
of either genetics or plastic exposure. We much do, we as a nation and as a global effort need to do a much better uh, effort on continuing research to determine what these toxins do to our bodies. But from my standpoint, I know from uh, uh, without a doubt, due to the research and the registries and the screenings that I have went through as a result, um, I have been diagnosed through the War-Related Injury and Illness Study Center out of Palo Alto, California, to have been um, uh, vaccine injured by either the anthrax vaccine or the smallpox vaccine. Now they know without a doubt definitively, I see they, the VA, knows without a definite, definitively with my case because I did not deploy to Iraq or Afghanistan. So I don't have those additional exposures of toxicity of depleted uranium or sarin gas or um, any of those other toxic exposures that the PACT Act is now covering and that the VA has been researching since the early 90s. So, so basically you, what you're saying is it can't be any of the Gulf War syndrome or anything like that. It's got to be related to the vaccine. Is that correct? Well, not what I'm saying. What they, the VA, oh, has yeah. been since the early 90s, and they have not been making this public, not even to our our veterans, but in the research and the literature and what they are putting out to our veterans through the PACT Act and our Gulf War, Gulf War Illness Research um, Consentorium and many other factors that they have put together through funding that vaccines are a part of these military toxic exposures. And so without conducting the appropriate research to determine which vaccines and you know how many at what time and um, are, is it the ingredients in these vaccination processes that are causing these injuries, we won't know exactly. But what we do, do know from the literature and the research that they have presented since um, the 106th uh, Congress mandated they conduct this research into the manufacturer conducting the anthrax vaccine. So let me back up a little bit. So we are aware now that the uh, U.S. government has mandated the COVID vaccine for many different reasons. But what many don't know is that back in 1997, um, U.S. Congress, along with the um, excuse me, President Clinton's campaign uh, put together a mandate called the Anthrax Vaccine Immunization Project or program, making 100% of all service members and military contractors get the anthrax vaccine due to a biodefense weapon scare of the anthrax. So they, uh, are you public and perhaps you might remember the anthrax attack scares shortly after 9-11 happened and the whole investigation of the FBI and determining who, just who placed this anthrax in our mail system. So there's a lot behind both mandates. And the reason that there are so many vaccine injured is when we take a, a, on such a large preventative measure and assume that every immune system is gonna react the same without other preventative measures, we're going to have more issues. And that is exactly what we saw with the anthrax vaccine. 
back during my duration and continuing to see uh, to this day. Um, from the research and literature that they discovered from the 106 Congress, Congresses mandated research, they determined that the squalene adjuvant was placed in some of the lots of, this an of the anthrax vaccine given to our service members from the duration of 1990 to current day. We don't know exactly what these lot numbers are. We won't know without either a FOIA request or a U.S. congressional mandate. And of course, without knowing what ingredients makes it really difficult to determine diagnostic and treatment protocol for these uh, patients. Well, my concern, Jan and I are both pharmacists, and my concern about these vaccines, um, and, and it's come up with the COVID vaccines too, is that there's such a variability to, from lot to lot is that there's different ingredients from lot to lot. Um, and that is a concern as a pharmacist. That's a concern. If we can't trust, you know, the consistency of a product, um, then, you know, how are we going to know how it's going to react in the body? Absolutely. And that's what it really comes down to this whole movement that we're seeing now of changing the overall vaccination process for us all is we need better um, cotton or, uh, accountability. We need to better understand what's in these ingredient lot numbers. We need doctors having these conversations with patients, pulling out the package inserts, ensuring that each patient doesn't have any of these uh, possible counter um, indications of uh, potential injury and then potentially giving them a different countermeasure because not every immune system is the same and not everyone should be treated the same. Just as we can't give the same pharmaceutical drug for the um, same diagnoses for every patient, we can't give the same preventative measure and vaccinations. We need to have other preventative measures like during the pandemic of COVID, having other um, uh, things, uh, like ivermectin, I didn't even want to say it because it's such a controversial right. topic. But there has, you know, there are other preventative measures that our U.S. government has failed to present on many occasions. So, Janet, what kind of questions do you have for Sarah? So, Sarah, it sounds like this has been a really tough journey. So, I'm wanting to know what it has impacted you on on your life because, you know the journey of somebody being injured, there's not just the injury, there's other things that have happened. So share with us what, what your life has looked at like since the injury to the vaccines. Well, unfortunately, anyone that's battling chronic illness, especially on a multiple chronic illness level, it makes it very difficult. And unfortunately, being a woman patient, even more difficult for our doctors in our medical community to understand and to listen to us, they often put us off as being hypochondriacs. They don't understand fully um, just how much our bodies can take that, especially with our military veterans that are chronic multi-symptom illness patients, we do have that much going on. We have been diagnosed with that many things. And if they would just believe their colleagues that have already diagnosed us, and did their job with proper evaluation that they would determine that even though our labs aren't indicating what they should be, the physical evaluation are showing you different a different narrative. And if you look at our research, our research, we are um, patient zero. Just like with cancer, 
chronic fatigue syndrome, a heart disease, all these other factors that cause illness and chronic illness um, and injury, uh, we have that same um, that same level of an entity that we are patient zero, that nobody knows about us. Not only because they aren't teaching about these things in our medical community, but because of the suppression, such heavily suppression on multiple levels. I can't even tell you as a result of this pandemic, um, the lack of support, not just from our, our, con our, our government, but the lack of support from our medical community, the, the direct disregard of patient care and their, their oath that to do no harm. And just uh, the individual patient lack of support from family and friends. As a result of this pandemic and the misinformation that our government has placed out, my family thought I was going to get them sick instead of them getting me sick. Right. They didn't understand that I am the, the patient that has to make sure that everything around me is protective. But I can do that individually because that is my job as a patient to ensure that I can do that. But there are children out there that can't. And there are parents out there fighting for their, their children's lives that have been vaccine injured that can't get these other preventative measures that their immune systems are attacking themselves. So if I can get anything across at this podcast is that every patient needs to be treated equally, regardless of how we got this way, regardless of what biased judgment you have as a result of what education you think you have, we are patient zero. You need to drop your bias. You need to be understanding that what you're seeing before you is something that you've never seen presented in any other patient. So tell us about Operation Truth. Operation Truth, I started back in 2019. We are officially 501c3 to bring awareness to uh, my patient demographic and the need for research. Uh, as a, a result of the lack of support and the lack of research, I've had to become my own patient advocate, my own doctor, my own pharmacist. Um, and uh, I didn't want any other patient to have to go through that. So I started this charity originally as the name Operation Truth Go For Illness Suffering Unite because I wanted to bring my veteran community together and you and fight our VA for our, our medical rights uh, through U.S. congressional mandate together because that's the only way that we can make change in the system is through U.S. congressional mandate. And unfortunately, because of funding, they have really separated us all out. And although the PACT Act does take care of our vaccine-injured veterans through the back door, there is no funding for research. And they make it so difficult for each one of our go-for-illness patients to try to get any care, let alone compensation and pension for what they were already supposed to be getting due to the prerequisites that have been placed from U.S. Excuse me, US congressional mandate. So, as a result of many different factors, my veteran community didn't want to unite as many uh, reasons more likely due to funding 
and the way that our system is built and the suppression. And there's just so much working against our vaccine injured community. I, we decided as a team to rebrand our name and expand our, our narrative to include everyone. And so we are Operation Truth because we need to find out the truth behind the, um, the ingredients of the anthrax vaccine through FOIA requests and U.S. congressional mandate. And we are a vaccination exposure research because the way the VA has put our vaccine injured veterans in the system, they have put us under our military toxic exposure group of both war illness and um, the PACT Act. And so that is why we have chosen that name and became an organization to bring awareness and have joined a massive movement now that is global to try to change the healthcare system for us all. So are the, is the smallpox vaccine and the anthrax vaccine still mandated for the military? Absolutely. Wow. As a result of the 106th con congressional mandate or, um, and research back in the early 2000s, they discovered that instead of having the anthrax vaccine be mandated for 100% of all of our service members, the FDA decided, all right, Department of Defense, you can give the anthrax vaccine to all of your soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines that are going to Iraq, Afghanistan, Korea, or any special duty. But the way that our military industrial complex is, uh, it is difficult to go by our FDA standards because of the, of the way that we have to be military uh, ready to deploy at any given time. And the anthrax vaccine series, it's a six shot series. It's a difficult duration of time. I think now they have made it into a three shot series, but still it is difficult to get that series of shots all completed before the um, deployment is needed, deployment date is ready. So with all that being said, we have a solution. If the U.S. Congress would just listen to us, instead of just giving everyone the same vaccination process um, without having any information on the, the individualized immune system, we can conduct the necessary research and determine who's genetically more susceptible by um, blood biomarker to have um, more susceptibility to this adjuvant injury. We know through research and literature that there are some patients that have more genetic anom anomalies to be predispositioned to this, uh, what is called autoimmune inflammatory syndrome induced by adjuvants otherwise known as Asia, it is a medical condition that um, medical research is new to, that newly came back, came out in 2011. So it's a new concept, but it is a real concept. And it is definitely something that needs to be further researched so that we can determine who's more genetically susceptible to these vaccine injuries and give them a different countermeasure. Yes, they, those soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines might not be able to go to those different areas. But if we don't have a specific biodefense need for that vaccine, then they don't need to get that vaccine, vaccination process at that time. There is no need to be giving our veteran, or excuse me, our service members the live polio vaccination. Is that happening now? 
It happened back in 1998, and I believe it is still occurring. I've spoken to other veterans, but I have not seen it specifically on anybody's vaccination record. Due to the vaccination process, it is difficult to get your vaccine records. It's difficult to know uh, or have every vaccine annotated on your record. Um, the military industrial complex doesn't make it easy to do so. And the civilian sector um, doesn't either. I thought we, as a pharmacist, I think Janet and I were taught we stopped using the uh, live polio vaccine in favor of the attenuated vaccine because it was giving so many people polio. Right. Yeah, I believe that they stopped giving it to um, United States citizens in the 80s. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. But so, I, oh, go ahead, Sarah. I was just going to continue with the squalene adjuvant and why that is a controversial topic is because it hasn't yet been approved to be used in uh, by the FDA to be used in the U.S. as of yet. So to admit and to state that it was given to our military service members without their knowledge uh, and potentially as a entity of for research of the squalene adjuvant, um, as there's a lot of entities involved in the overall process of the anthrax vaccine immunization program. Mm. Jana, what kind of comments do you have? Wow. So some people didn't even know that they were going to get something. <laughs> that doesn't sound very, you know, I mean, wow. <laughs> um, so, okay. So now what? Now that you have this Operation Truth and you're having people come on board, what the goal is to make it more transparent is what I'm hearing and also help people through their injuries. So where are we with that? Is it still kind of uh, moving along? Are you, I mean, where, where are you with it? Well, in order to help patients, we need to have doctors be understanding of how that represents in the body. And right. until we can get um, doctors to have the literature and the research and uh, be taught these things in school, we have to have it mandated through Congress. And for our veterans, for anything to um, be completed, any research to be taken um, for reality, it has to go through our US, our, our US Congress. And especially if you want to get funding, that's a non-independent you know, research funding, um, you have to go through US Congress. So we're working with um, our local vaccine injured groups here in Michigan and across the nation, across the globe, bringing this to everyone's attention um, through legislative uh, rallies, through legislative days. Uh, we're connecting with a group here in Michigan, um, going to a legislative day tomorrow to speak with our state legislative. And then um, we are planning to go to our nation's DC capital to have a similar rally and um, there's rallies going along across the globe now. They just had one uh, large rally in the UK to bring this uh, to people's attention. So it's a massive movement. And for what we need to do for our veterans is to get that um, critical funding for research so we can determine who's more susceptible to vaccine injury and determine what that looks like in the body. So we can get those prerequisites. So without those prerequisites, we can't um, have uh, we can't be compensated and get our pension 
and it makes it very difficult to get healthcare. And of course, without research, we can deter- we can have no diagnostic and treatment protocol. Right now, the only way we can is through doing or what we conduct is a um, root cause analysis. And so using the research and the literature that we do have, matching that up with the veterans exposure chart of their military service, and then matching that up with their dates of where they serve and what they could potentially have been exposed to, we can determine from there how that's presenting in their body and what that looks like. And that's exactly what the War-Related Injury and Illness Study Center does at Palo Alto to determine what's going on with each individual case. So how did COVID change Operation Truth? I'm gonna assume it, it, it exposed more about vaccine injuries, correct? There's good and bad in every episode. And unfortunately, in 2019, we were able to have a meeting with our U.S. representative here in Michigan. They, um, they said, once you get 10,000 signatures on your petition, come back and we'll see you again. Then the pandemic happened, and we have yet to have a meeting with our, our, our or U.S. representative to just show them what we have accomplished with our petition to show them that we've got many other vaccine-injured veterans, many other vaccine-injured service members, and many other vaccine-injured civilians, unfortunately, as a result of this pandemic, and just show them you know, that we have the solution. They don't want to hear the solution. I don't understand why. Like, We're patients, and we should be the ones that are being listened to. Yeah, we might not have the 20 years of education, or the 20 years of politics or experience in in um, how to in lobbying, but we're patients living this condition, and we we need to be listened to, and that is why they they feel it is important to conduct research on us and collect data. Why not listen to our voice as well? So, Sarah, does Operation Truth have a website that we can stream? Yes, OperationTruth.net is where you'll find um, um, all our other social media platforms, links that you can go to. Our YouTube channel has a lot of uh, informative videos, uh, um, other different interviews from other vaccine injured veterans telling their stories to help bring awareness to our overall movement that's going on. There's also a link to our petition if you'd like to sign our petition. It's to um, uh, inform Congress of the need for funding for research and all the things that we discussed uh, today. So we're streaming your website here. It looks like you can opt in with an email. Um, and there's a petition. Is that where the, the petition and all your social media stuff is too? Yes. If you scroll down on the homepage, it should um, have a, a scroll um, uh, picture there that has both our petition and our survey. Oh, you just passed it. Um, go up a little, that uh, up above there. That's our research. If you want to um, conduct any searches to to get more further information on anything that we discussed, um, right there, what you're showing is our survey. You can click on there. We could take if you are a, a military veteran or service member that has been vaccine injured or believes that they have been vaccine injured due to 
the research and literature that you've connected your case to, uh, please take a uh, look at our survey and complete it. It'll take less than 10 minutes. And then when you scroll over, there's um, the petition there as well. Okay, it looks like it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, so Sarah, as we wrap this podcast up, um, what do you have a passion for? I have so many passions and they definitely have, have changed as a result of um, you know, life experience. Um, when I joined the military, I was, I was young. I didn't know what I wanted to do for my career. And I, I really um, enjoyed the military. I enjoyed the camaraderie. I enjoyed, um, you know, uh, doing something for my country. And so I excelled, and I became a counterintelligence special agent. Something I never thought I could ever do. Um, I wasn't the most intelligent in school. I had dyslexia, and so a lot of challenges uh, came my way. But when I became a counterintelligence agent, I really thought that, you know, I was I could. I became something to help change the world. And then I became too ill to continue. And so life experiences changes us. And I have now have a new passion. I have a new, uh, 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 something that gets, makes me get up in the morning and wants to create change. And this is definitely something that will create a massive change uh, for our vaccination process for us all. Well, Sarah, I'm sorry that uh, you were injured by a vaccine. Um, I am glad you're sharing your story and there's a reason for everything. And it sounds like um, you are very passionate about spreading the word about this. And, you know, veterans need to know about this. There, there's probably a lot of them that have never even sought um, treatment um, and they have some kind of symptoms and they don't know, you know, they, they need more help finding this out. So I appreciate you. Um, you've definitely helped realize our goal of our podcast, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. People have to move forward on their own individual, um, with their own individual knowledge, their own individual wisdom, and educate themselves so so they know what's going on with their body. So I'll give you the last um, 30 seconds as we wind this up. Great. Thank you. I just want to say thank you so much for this opportunity to do exactly what you said, was bring my story to the attention, to bring awareness to our vaccine-injured community. It's imperative that all patients are treated equally and that we have more compassion and understanding. Drop the bias, drop the judgment, be understanding that before you is a human with in need of compassion and caring and understanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for um, being on our show today. Thank you, listeners and viewers, for tuning in today. Um, tune in Thursday, our midweek podcast, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, Dr. Ren Renata Moon will be on our show. She's going to be discussing medical freedom. You don't want to miss out on that. So um, tune in uh, Thursday, a regularly scheduled podcast, midweek podcast, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thank you all for tuning in. 